0: bags it feels like it's been an eternity since we have drafted together i know you must have been lost watching me have so much fun doing solo
1: streams but here you are back forced to draft with me on camera today as we hit underdog for another entry into best ball mania 3 we're also going to talk about some upsetting news i guess for the houston texans uh some training camp news as well buzz about guys moving up the depth chart we're going to touch on all of it right after this intro <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Oversett. And Pete, I watched your best ball brunch this, uh, stream this morning. I could see the frustration milling up for you. Are you ready to get scooped on all the players we want to get on this show?
0: It depends. Whose account are we doing it on? Uh,
1: actually, <laughs> I do think we should do it on mine today because you know what I did. I set up the Brick Sports Hub. Oh, okay.
0: There we go. Let's go that. Yeah. Now we can, you know, everyone gets to see my exposures on the, uh, on the Monday stream and now we get to have, have you done, did you do it on your Friday streams? Did you have the, the HUD or no, is this is, is going to be the debut of it. And I'm actually doing a little bit of a different
1: spin where I have the week 17 matchup, even though we know those by heart, I felt like I still had to put it on the screen for the sake of the, the viewers out there, my exposure. And then also the ADP I've been getting these guys
0: out. Okay, very nice. Yeah, I love that uh, addition there. And I, I just am excited for you to to get to feel like uh, the nakedness of having your exposures just out there. Because you know, before you could just be this influencer stream and be like, yeah, I have a decent amount of that guy. Or yeah, I've been scooping him up. No, there is no hiding. It just says it right there what you've been doing in your Best Ball Mania 3 draft. So I can't wait to roast you uh, for some absurd exposures.
1: Well, I've actually been making it my thing, Pete, on the Friday streams. Last week, of course, I had to do the solo streams on Thursday and Friday. So if you're not subscribed to the Splash Play channel, please do that right now because that is the exclusive home here. So we don't have to inundate Pete's channel with my solo brand of nonsense. Uh, but I actually pull up my exposures on the on the camera now because I feel like that's the disclosure you can do. Pete's earn people's trust is like, oh, I'm talking about Tyler Algier. Here's my Tyler Algier exposures, So you know that I am, in fact, backing it up with my pocketbook, so to speak.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you did what we really needed was the HUD early on when you did have like 70% drew lock and then the chat and I shamed you into getting it down to a reasonable number and I would argue that it's still not reasonable.
1: Well, on, on Friday, Pete, I was actually trying to draft Drew Lock, set up a nice uh, Seahawks triple sack because QBs were going off the board in a weird way. And one of our community members, who I will no longer name out loud for the next seven days, <sighs> who has occasionally been on the stream, Pete, perhaps showing his titties doing cardio club streams, scooped me on Drew Lock spitefully in the 18th round or the 19th round even. Uh, so it was not my favorite to get scooped on the player that nobody else wants.
0: That's not a spite. That's a gift. Uh, Joshua Frick, a beautiful gift uh, mm-hmm. to Spags. Well done character who shall not be named
1: on my naughty list, but you can get on my good list by following at splash play pod right now. Uh, just eight followers away from a thousand on there. So that'd be nice to get to that nice round number P we've been grinding at uh, the solo streams, the shows we've been doing. We didn't take any weeks off really. So I feel like it's finally starting to
0: show a little bit in our, our follower count dividends. How close are we to a thousand subs on spot? Okay. 108 mm-hmm. 108. All right. I'm posting the link in the chat go subscribe. We need to get this to a thousand so we can start running Cialis ads on our Splash Play channel. Please subscribe to that.
1: Yes, that is the goal on there, and then Pete has committed himself to doing a stream where we'll have a few beers on a Friday. So that's the the little carrot at the end of the stick for you guys over on the Splash Play YouTube channel. So please go check it out and please support us. As we try to build it up into something meaningful. But Pete, the news that broke over the weekend that was not the the best news for Texans fans and I guess Bama fans as well. John Mechie, says i will likely miss the season as amidst he was rehabbing for an ACL injury. Also found out he has a form of leukemia, apparently the most treatable form of leukemia that athletes sometimes have had. I think Roman Reigns had the same strain of it, but that's neither here nor there but pete does this do anything for you obviously it's sad to hear about a rookie not getting his first crack but uh, the texans depth chart i feel like we have to talk about that part does it make anybody
0: jump up for you um, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting because I think everyone assumed, you know, it was going to be Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins at the top. And then maybe even after that, Brevin Jordan um, with Mechie maybe kind of being the, the mystery box of what he could bring to the table. Now you're kind of back to that kind of veteran cohort that they've had. I mean, Chris Conley, uh, I know I'm a little biased uh, ha- having, uh, you know, got to talk to him on Club Top Shot a few times. But I do think he probably has the inside track to that wide receiver 3 role at least out of the gate just as kind of the veteran um they brought him in and he saw a decent amount of snaps last year did get loose for a couple big plays so i kind of assume he is going to be uh the guy that kind of benefits the most. And then the question is how much does the fourth passing option in the Texans option or offense actually benefit, but he's kind of the guy that if I were, you know, rounding out my Davis mills, double stacks, um, who I might be tacking on there at the end, like he, he seems to me pretty analogous to like a Zay Jones, a Brian Edwards type pick, um, where it's like justifiable with the stacks, but not something you're going out of your way to do.
1: Yeah, I think that's the, that was a guy I was thinking of as well, Chris Conley, I think. Uh, obviously, keep your eyes out for any free agency signings that could come to the Texans. Not the most behooved to win, and I think Nico Collins is a guy that I've been mostly blind to. I just wasn't impressed with what he did last year, but just more ability to get on the field, more ability to get red zone targets. I do think Mechie, the one thing he had going for him was kind of a nose for the end zone in college. This could be something that maybe ported it over to his Texans career, but uh, not going to be this year for him, so... Uh, maybe take your flyers on Davis Mills, get some cheap stacks. It's Chris Conley at this point, if you want to get a little bit of a taste. But a guy, Pete, that you were touting earlier, I think, than most people out there. Isaiah McKenzie, apparently moving up the depth chart as the starting slot receiver for Buffalo. Jamison Crowder was going in the 120s before. It feels like you got to knock him down a lot. And Isaiah McKenzie, Pete, was going undrafted in a lot of drafts, which is why you were saying, hey, he's worth an 18th round flyer. does feel like there's still a risk that Khalil Shakir, the rookie, could come and take
0: some snaps at some point. But I feel like overall, Isaiah McKenzie, his ADP could soar over the next few weeks. That's what I, I'm, I'm really starting to feel that. I think, you know, in our BBM3 draft this morning, he still went pretty late, close to his ADP. But then someone in the chat was saying he had just gone at like pick 130 in their BBM3. And I mean, him flipping Jamison Crowder in ADP, that that feels very likely. And I wouldn't even... You know, I think just in general, our best ball community is going to be way more excited about an Isaiah McKenzie type than a dusty old slot receiver like Crowder. So I think there's even a little more meat on the ADP bone there where I wouldn't be shocked to see him creep up into, you know, I don't know what the 11th round like he feels like he could land in like Tim Patrick Rondell Moore territory if this kind of like steady drum beat continues. Would you take Crowder at all now? Just I guess
1: to hedge against that because I'm with you. I think the per snap numbers for Isaiah McKenzie are going to look good. The fact that he did when he actually saw the field is pretty productive. And I feel like he's one of those guys that could gain a lot of steam overall. But I worry that then he gains too much steam. And now like I have, I think, 3% of him overall. And I don't want to get him when he's going to be going for 50 picks ahead of where I got him before. Yeah, this is this is
0: honestly the why best ball drafting throughout the summer and just thinking about things through a portfolio perspective is so fun because like you can continue to pack your bags right now, toss on those 18th round, 17th round. You can even chase it a little bit, 16th round if you still think there's some value on the bone. And then when the flippening happens, now you get your exposure to Jamison Crowder as he starts. To fall because again, the whole thing we're always doing here is we're like playing probabilities. And right now, it does feel like it's a greater probability that Isaiah McKenzie produces more than Jamison Crowder. But if that confidence reflected via ADP swings way too far in the other direction to where now it's like, well, it's a 90% chance McKenzie outscores Crowder. Then we start getting our Crowder shares knowing, Hey, there still is a likelihood that Crowder could be the, the starting slot receiver here. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play it from a portfolio perspective and get some more Crowder shares because I have not been drafting him at current ADP. Sean G asking an interesting question in the chat saying, Why not take
1: both? I think, Pete, this ties into what you've taught me. And I really, you know, really drilled into my head where I've been trying to make this the thing that I adhere to most this year. Um, Drafting like you're right, if you're drafting like you're right, it can't be both McKenzie and Crowder to get there. And it definitely can't be McKenzie, Crowder, and Shakir to get there. It feels like overall, Pete, only one of those guys is going to get the role. And otherwise, they'll just be competing for whatever's left behind from uh, Steph Diggs and also, of course, Gabe Davis, who everybody loves.
0: Yeah. And I think this is where, you know, we don't get too much into like, you know, uh, the specific player archetype, how they win, yada, yada. But this does feel like one of those things where it's a bit more binary where we're trying to figure out who's going to be the starting slot receiver. We know Gabriel Davis and Stefan Diggs are primarily going to play on the outside. And so whoever has this role here um, in three wide receiver sets, whereas, you know, in previous years, McKenzie's been the gadget guy that comes in in four wide receiver sets. And so being on the field, in all three wide receiver sets for the bills who run a ton of those, I think is a pretty meaningful thing. So that, that's why I don't, I, but I don't necessarily, I don't think it's bad um, per se. Um, Like if you had right now, like Crowder and then McKenzie teams, but I don't think it's something I'm going out of my way to do unless like I get boxed out of digs, Knox, Gabe Davis, and I have Josh Allen. And it's like, Hey, I just want this double stack. And, Are there scenarios where McKenzie and Crowder could both have a big game? Sure. But yeah, it's not something that I would be prioritizing.
1: So here's one galaxy brain thought that I'll throw out there before we hop into the Best Ball Mania 3 draft on Underdog, competing for $10 million in prizes. Um, Is it possible that just based on how much Gabe Davis has gotten steamed up, that Isaiah McKenzie could go like where Russell Gage goes, even go in this like 70 range or so. I, let's even say if we're going to be more conservative, like he can go in the top 100. Is it possible that he's still worth it at that point, just because he is Gabe Davis insurance or a hedge against him?
0: I don't know because I don't know if he's actually Gabe Davis insurance again, like how these guys win. Like they're never going to use McKenzie on the outside. You know, he, he's going to still be more of an underneath guy. So in that scenario, I would guess more like, uh, who is it? Khalil Shakur you know, kind of benefits more as the guy who would step up for that role. My guess is they just kind of feel pretty strongly about how they want to use McKenzie and him and Crowder are both battling for those cold back Cole Beasley role. So yeah, I don't know. I, I guess you could always project a few more targets if there was a big injury to one of those guys. Um, but I don't know if it would be super meaningful. Got it.
1: Okay. Just wanted to throw that out into the universe. We'll talk more about, of course, all the camp machinations going on and, he, I, I didn't actually, I don't think there was anything that jumped out to me in the Fantasy Life newsletter besides, of course, your big Serious XM show coming out on Sundays there. So uh, uh, kudos to you joining the alums of Serious XM, like myself at Barstool, myself at Osimo. It's really great to see you following such a, a great trail blazed by the people who came before.
0: Yeah, it's almost like David Kitchen. You know, I'm part of his tree, and, uh, you know, clearly I'm part of your Serious XM tree. But yeah, thank you. Excited to do that show with uh, Kendall uh, for Sundays this summer. Yeah, so going to be a very, I mean, a very attractive stream compared to this show, I guess, based on the
1: headshot you guys had in the Fantasy Life newsletter. But anything else for you, Pete, that you want to bring to the table that I might have missed there
0: news-wise or training camp report-wise? No, I mean, we're just kind of, it. today was the first day that, like, I have my list for NFL news that I checked for the newsletter. And today was the first day where it felt like the floodgates are opening with just all the training camp takes. I mean, some other stuff, we, we got some health news on Raheem Mostert and James Robinson, Um, that those guys are are trending Mm. in the right direction. I just saw one pop up that the Bucs are cautiously optimistic about Chris Godwin being back for week one. Um, so there's, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be inundated with news. We're going to have to keep our heads on a swivel for what's real, what's not. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the underdog ADP really is going to start to get flipped on its head here because they're all of these ambiguous situations. And the McKenzie Crowder one is a perfect one. There's going to be tons with these backfields, your Rashad Penny's, Kenneth walkers, like we're going to see ADPs absolutely flip just based on news here. So I think it's, uh, it's kind of buckle up time. And, uh, you know, playing the market as these ADPs move is going to be pretty important. All right, Pete, I'm going to do something nice for you today. Here we are going to pull up our best ball mania
1: draft and I'm already in it. So now we're going to have, to get some less sharp drafters in because Pete, I now see firsthand. I heard your complaints on this morning's best ball brunch. I've now done these solo streams enough that I know that my EV on these drafts goes down exponentially being in these sharper rooms and, um, people had to really earn it if they're going to get the streamer EV today.
0: Yeah, look, okay, two two badges down from like nine, I guess, is a, is a bit of a victory. We got the Influencer 1-9. Yep, and you can see all my, my exposures here on the screen.
1: My 7% Jonathan Taylor, get him in the 1.5 hole a lot. Christian McCaffrey, value
0: hounding Christian McCaffrey in the four spot is whenever I'm drafting him. I like that. So, yeah, so the green there, you got Week 17, your BBM3 exposure, and then the average ADP that you've drafted that player at. So this is actually my overall portfolio exposure. I didn't get the time to figure
1: out how to pare it down to BBM three. That'll be the next thing I do. Um, But yeah, this is my overall exposure. So that includes the puppy that I spam pretty heavily, the puppy one and then whatever's in BBM three. And I didn't draft much in in the puppy too.
0: Yeah. I like that. I kind of, now I have a brick HUD sports envy because I want to add the, uh, the average ADP to mine. I I feel like I could drop off the week 17 on by now that I have that memorized. I could go week 16, Exposure and then ADP. I've gotten them at. I think would be would be good. And looks, you got a nice price on Derrick Henry there. You're you're uh got getting him at a average of fourteen. Your one time you, or is that Joe Mixon? No, it's Derrick Henry. I'm going to get the fourteen ADP whenever I take him zero percent of the time. (laughs) So that that has to be you. You one time
1: you've you've taken him one time. It has to be yeah i've not taken a lot of derrick henry you could see of course i on my solo streams been really radicalized against running back as you pointed out pete really adopting zero rb and trying to bring it to the mainstream by making it sound as though i've created it myself in the lab
0: yeah exactly meanwhile i'm forced into hyper fragile builds uh, where i take zeke elliott on my streams it is really nice because it, the only times i'm going to take zeke are, are on, on stream um, and then i won't have any other shares yeah, with our
1: accountant Willis, the man who's giving us all of our information on the back end, he's the one who's pushing Zeke the most. So that shows you why
0: you got the quality data we get here on Splash Play. Yeah. What are we calling the 112 earlier? Yeah. We're calling it the peasant, uh, the, the the peasant slot. You could argue
1: that the 112 for me, I would rather have the peasant slot than the influencer 101 personally, just because you're locked mm. in and you're feeling like you have to take one of the running backs. And I don't need that kind of pressure on me.
0: So I disagree with that. Like I, I, I haven't, uh, okay. What we well, it's digs here. time right yeah digs yeah. at one nine is we're nice. not getting steamed out of our wide receivers here i don't care if i enter the draft try to sneak
1: it in i know that these wide receivers are going to come off the board in a way we're going to get fucked if we take a running back so
0: i so about back to the like 112 thing i just in general don't like picking on the turn and i think there's such a huge advantage of obviously getting a top five pick and then on top of it i think there's a tier break in about the middle of the third round and so when you're on the turn, like Kyle Pitts isn't falling to you at 312, like you're boxed out of so many things. You, you you miss out on like the Mike Williams tier. I just think you're at such a disadvantage. And I don't have like a really good way to play it right now. I do think once ADP solidifies more throughout the preseason, that's when I'll start to get funky with some combinations. Oh, interesting. A double tap there. Mm-hmm. Um, where I do think you can try to get out like AJ Brown is never getting paired with a wide receiver at the one, two turn, just because his ADP has been locked into the early third. I do think that's when it'll be a time similar with T Higgins there too. Um, yeah, we're on the clock. So, so this is the classic spot. I, if I was just drafting this by myself, I would take Swift here. Um, but I'm, I'm good with, with whoever.
1: I have 1% Mixon. This is a little bit of a value on Mixon, but I just don't want to get fucked at receiver. So I feel like Debo or Tyreek, do you have a preference? It's Debo, right? I
0: much prefer. uh, I feel Tyreek just feels like a trap pick to me because I prefer Debo, T. Higgins, and A.J. Brown to Tyreek Hill. Um, So I, I haven't been getting a ton of him.
1: Yeah, I, I don't mind Tyreek. Like, I do think he's my, oh, I don't have a wide receiver too. I have any confidence. And definitely if I don't have a wide receiver one, where in those rare builds, I'm going anchor. I'll take Tyreek because I do think the upside's there. But I think Brick uh, on one of the Lowell streams, I was re-listening to one of the ones you guys were doing. He was pushing back on Tyreek and he doesn't like receivers going to new teams with a
0: drastic QB downgrade, I feel like, was one of his takes he gave you. Um, Maybe. I think, you know, historically, I, I don't remember what he said, but yeah, historically, the wide receivers changing teams hasn't been good but then we also saw some guys really debunk that you know with the deandre hopkins to arizona Diggs, obviously a couple of years had his massive season so I, I i think the question is though like where do th- this crop of wide receivers like adams to me profiles like a Diggs and mm-hmm. a hopkins who i think can succeed in this new scenario Hill, i'm a little more i i have a hard time untangling his production from Patrick Mahomes in that offense. And I do I do think that Tyreek Hill and Waddle's ADP should be closer together. I feel like they both should be like mid-third whereas the market has clearly decided it prefers Tyreek Hill to Waddle and I I think I project Waddle and by I project I mean looking at projections I trust um for more of a target share than Tyreek Hill. And if it's 50-50, then why why are or even if it's 50-50 at best, then why are their ADPs so different?
1: Man, I, I am the opposite take on that one where I think Waddle's going to suffer from having Tyreek there. And I know uh, people are pushing back. I think one of the solo streams where I've mentioned actually a Bullock has a lot of Waddle and I think was making an interesting case about him being valuable and theoretically Hill opening some stuff up for him. I just feel like the downside of Tyreek, like what you're talking about, there's a risk profile that he's just not happy and submarines a situation in a way that's not great. But I also think because of that, like he's going to get fed the ball, even if it's not in ways that are not optimal um, And I think that's something that, you know, they paid a lot of money for him. They, he's clearly a little bit mercurial uh, based on what we know of him on the field and off the field. So I feel like overall, like I don't worry about Tyreek, but I certainly get why other people might.
0: Um, we got to take Javante here at this price. Do we, I mean, we got yes. Kyle Pitts. We got Josh Allen who would stack up. This is, this is such to get Javante with 30, these guys please. because and you got to think of how many, how many digs teams have, are able to get Javante coming back because Diggs is normally, you know, going at what at the earliest, like one six generally and, and Javante is rarely falling that far in the third. I think you're even if you have your ideologue structural stuff, just knowing that you're probably getting a, a pretty unique um, combo here, I think is pretty interesting. There has been a little bit of Javante uh, steaming downwards or talking, I guess, about
1: Melvin Gordon's role. And um, I think that one of the Twitter threads, one of the many, many Twitter threads that now inundate my timeline was talking about how Melvin Gordon is actually as effective per touch and all that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Javante Williams starts to fall more to this range overall. Like, I think um, there's enough Melvin Gordon buzz now that he should come up a little and Javante should come down. And that's sort of just what you talked about earlier, Pete, just if you're drafting all year long, like you're now paying the price for every sort of camp blurb that comes out
0: yeah and i i get it like i do agree from a median projection standpoint like i'm not just thinking melvin gordon is gone like i think he's gonna have a role um but javante williams has the profile in that offense to to literally be the the quote-unquote guy you need and i think that contingent value um is worth so much in this format um but I think you're. it's a fair point to say, hey, if he's going to routinely get cheaper, um, then, then maybe I still wait for him to fall. Although I think it's just a little bit of buzz on Melvin Gordon and kind of some conversations. I don't think it's actually anchored in anything um, that should really change how we think about this. All right. So running backs are the value. Again, I prefer not to take another one. I, I think I would go I, Gabe or Waller. Yeah, if it was me, I'd take Kamara, but you do you. Okay. Do you have a preference between Gabe or Waller? Uh, I would take Gabe here just because you still have the Kittle backstop. Okay. I don't think Kittle's but, coming back to us. So, again, going back to the portfolio thing, I really do think the the Camara ADP is going to change here. And he was all the way down. This would have been at pick 40, 4 Like it's this. Se- that seems like, you know, they say timing the bottom there of a, a stock. I, I don't know if we're going to get much cheaper Alvin Camara than at pick. 4-4. Uh,
1: four, four. Eric is right, by the way. It was Herzig, because I remember seeing that being yeah. like, Herzig is saying that? But yeah, he was talking down a little bit on Javante and, and popping up Gordon a little bit more, or at least raising the case for why Gordon's maybe
0: undervalued. Yeah, and you know what I would almost say is I, I again, I, I agree with that take, but the way I would kind of put that in action would be to make sure I'm getting a little more Melvin and less that I'm like full fading Javante.
1: Okay, that's fair. But would you see some of these discounts I get when I do take the running backs? ATN at 56. I have Brees Hall in the 50s too. Like, you can say what you will about me, but when I'm getting these running backs, I did pay them at a, at least a cheaper price than where we have paid so far in the draft season. If, they, if these guys fall for the, like, ATN and Hall, like, then I don't know what to tell you.
0: Yeah, ETN. Yeah, because a lot of people got ETN in that range at the start. And then, mm-hmm. you know, all, what, the past, I don't know, 15% of BBM3 total entries probably... All have him at a at a much higher price tag than that.
1: DK Metcalf, I think it must be an error in the brick sheet. I think for the ADP because of the initials, perhaps. But I have to assume I'm, I am not getting that. Is one place I did not get a value. I was taking DK Metcalf in the 30s, and now he is at 53 overall ADP. Yeah, That's
0: Kittle fun. does go there. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess I. I guess we could have thought through that a little bit more with the Bills double stack without Josh Allen. Um, this would be a spot where I'm probably setting up a Mahomes backdoor double with the Javante Williams week 17 is probably what I'm doing here. But I'd also be interested in a Monra. I'm good with either.
1: It's a nice discount on Mahomes. I'll I'll go your way. I look. I. At this point, Pete, I have about uh, 45 entries left to go in best ball mania. So I will do some different things just for the sake of it. And Mahomes, you know, a
0: decent amount after ADP. It's never a bad thing to do. And that's where you can kind of use when we talk about using the correlations as a tie break. Like if we didn't have Javante Williams on that team and say this room, you can tell is kind of devaluing quarterbacks a little bit. You normally don't see Herbert um, and Lamar, you know, they're sliding a few picks past ADP. So then you'd be like, like oh, maybe I'll get him on Raw here knowing I might be able to get a quarterback value later. But then you're like, yeah, I got Javante Williams. This seems like a good time for a, a tiebreaker.
1: Yeah, a lot, Zion's left shoe saying he likes taking elite QBs at a discount as well. Uh, I think that's, it's also weird, Pete. Like, I don't know if you're noticing this. Like, I want to pull up the chats, but I feel like that's normally your job on the show, even though I'm producing the draft stream. So I don't know that this is the most workable solution is me to read them out loud and then uh, and make you do the work to grab them. Uh,
0: you know, the, the work of me, you know, <laughs> tirelessly uh you know sliding my mouse and clicking uh, i i can handle it <laughs> you're exhausted uh, from all that travel yeah. your forearm must be killing you that's right yep bully tight end at the 12 spot we uh the, the Travis Kelsey Mark Andrews i assume that's uh pretty pretty unique uh there my only thing with that is i've i've done a few bully tight end builds um mainly if i get you know one of kelsey or andrews and then i get a really good discount on a pits kittle or waller that's my only thing with the bully onesie positions that i generally like to get a discount on it um the mark andrews adp has been kind of sliding a bit right because he was going early second there for a while and now he's kind of more mid to late second so he has he has retraced a bit yeah we got uh also might make sense to take a running back here but the wide receivers
1: are coming off so fast i feel like See, for our, our niners correlation jacobs would make sense um we don't need another qb Schultz yeah to, like just to get a tight end
0: yeah you could do yeah this is a this is a gross spot i think you could do schultz yeah we probably played that wrong just seeing that kyler's still here mm-hmm. if you we probably would knowing that kyler would fall we'd probably take him on and kyler over schultz and mahomes yeah i would agree with
1: that but yeah, that's fine. Look, it's it's a unique build, Pete, as we always say, as the the consolation prize. So we're getting different, if nothing else, with this Mahomes Schultz <laughs> double tap.
0: Yeah, and that you know we we could have also reached if we wanted. I mean the uh, yeah, I guess we wouldn't have had Kyler yet, um, but we could have reached for um, Drake London or Hopkins there as well. Just not a good. There was no good value hound. Uh, pick there even those running backs didn't feel like enough of a discount to get our second You know running back there in the dead zone
1: Yeah, and my alternative
0: would have been taking Pitts over
1: javante williams based on my Radicalized zero rb approaches and that would have left us kyler But you know pitts was still like probably didn't have to push Scott push that that particular stack Um, because then we would have taken kyler earlier as well Feels like we were really in a no-win situation
0: based on how this broke <laughs> Yeah, um I will Answering Nick's question, I'll put a plug. It might be too early to ask, but any recs on which specific of your DFS strat shows would you suggest to brush some uh, dust off? So I do have one evergreen video up. It's um It wasn't from last year, but the year before, but it was putting together all the top tips that I kind of pulled from my Friday uh, strategy streams with guests. I'm putting that in the chat now. Um, and I got really good feedback on that video and you know, a lot of the DFS concepts are still very evergreen. So, uh, I, I dropped that in the chat. I think you'd like that. And it it is fun, honestly, to, again, so much of what we're doing now with these best ball tournaments is thinking through it, uh, from a DFS lens when we're talking about exposures and ownership and stacking and correlation, like all these principles are very similar. So I don't think you're too early to be brushing up on that. And there's certainly kind of concepts I think you can apply. I saw Hayden Winks had a really cool tweet the other day where he was talking about a galaxy brain idea. And we've kind of talked about this as well, Spags, where it's like, okay, if you pass on, or last year by Bime4 and I, we passed on Dalvin Cook to draft Devontae Adams and then we drafted Alexander Madison. So almost kind of correlating or, or further leveraging your bets. And I think that's kind of like a DFS concept too, right? Like if the whole field is on the Minnesota passing game, well, maybe you play Dalvin Cook because now you're getting leverage in, in two directions, you're fading the high ownership. And if that fails, you benefit. So I do like thinking through this stuff through a DFS lens. I think that is good. Um, I mean, this Dobbins dip is pretty nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, like this team is not going to make the most sense from how I like to build, but I think we're getting some nice value. So I'll take it. And I, I think the Hayden Wing week you're talking about, I actually pulled it up on the solo stream because he made a case that I was trying to make in a much more eloquent way. But I agree, like that was what stood out to me about yours and Bime Force team. And that's part of why I've been so radical about trying to take all the backups to these guys and just leverage against potential failure, because I think that's still the best way to win. And I think it's something that um you were kind of talking about it a little bit this morning, but like people are so uh arrogant in their best ball takes in a way that like it's like an affront to their masculinity to like not to not believe in taking running backs earlier like people take two qbs early than in in the first five rounds it's like oh this is the right move and people are just really married to these takes in a way that has constantly surprised me especially for people moving over from dfs where there's a lot more ego to this than i think there is for a lot of drafters especially people in our streams um and that's something that stood out to me is just like leverage against people thinking they're right because people are not playing it the same way as they do any other any other competitive gambling sport
0: Yes, I I have thoughts on that. I'm tilting because uh, we went value hound per my recommendation, and then we got scooped on both NBS and Sky Moore. I thought for sure one of them would make it back, and I was uh, I was incorrect on that, which now means we have to take CH, and you're gonna hate it. Oh my god! This is what happens. I let Pete take the wheel for one of my teams. I feel like this must be how you felt every single time we drafted the team before. Yeah, except we're gonna make this work. Unlike those shit teams you made me draft. I've been drafting some
1: real clean teams, Pete. I don't know if you saw the thumbnails on the Play channel. I had the perfect draft on DraftKings—a literal perfect draft.
0: Wow. What? What? How, why? <laughs> what made it so perfect?
1: Oh, is that I like I value hounded Rashad Penny, value hounded Devin Singletary. I got like Singletary. I have been getting some real nice ADPs on DraftKings for, and on, on underdog too. I think I'm still a little bit like twelve picks behind ADP. Um, based on the break exposures that you're seeing on the screen. Um, But yeah, like I I just have been really running some pure zero RB teams, though, like you said, not on
0: stream at all. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like my favorite thing to do with these still is like, I mean, early on, I was saying how you can wait a few rounds to kind of determine what your structure is going to be. I find myself even now like pushing this even further um, with waiting to determine my structure where it's like, I look at this running back room and I did, I've done a few builds like this where if we took our, our next running back within like the next couple rounds, I would almost be comfortable stopping at four running backs. Like if we got, uh, I'm just tossing out a name, but like a Devin Singletary type or a chase Edmonds or someone you feel good about, like, and then being like, okay, I'm doing a hyper fragile build, but from a spot of the draft where most people aren't doing hyper fragile builds, they're mostly doing it with their Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, you know, James Conner, wh- whatever those combinations are where people feel comfortable early. And it's like, how can you get the benefits of that structure? Even it's it's a less likely bet because we're getting Dobbins and CH later. But if you're working under that thesis of drafting right, I that's where what I'm really interested in now is staying within those structures, but really pushing it, you know, ADP wise. Okay, so give me the ego take then. We're coming up in
1: a couple of picks. You might oh. have to truncate it, but... Okay, I'll do it after this. Because okay. uh, I'm curious this your thoughts on it, because like I've been shocked by it. And I feel like, too, it's one of those things where I could relate to it, too. Like when I was first doing best ball drafts with you, I was like, oh, like, you know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to draft Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's going to work out. And I feel like there's a lot of things to me that have rung true with my DFS career as well. We came in when I was first doing Osmo streams. We had to teach people about ownership projections. And then two years later, everybody swears by him. Um, I think there's a lot of things like that with best ball that I've observed, but we can talk about it after we make yeah. this pick of hopefully not a running back
0: um i i think garrett wilson is is still a, a really nice pick here um i think there's i think i feel a little bit tear break there and still think that garrett, garrett wilson's mispriced so i i think that's a, a solid pick for us there all right give me your give me your ego best ball take well i do agree you know bullock mentioning this um they can have a take or strategy. They spend a month of time and money attached to DFS. They can realize their ideas are shit and pivot the next week. It really does give you a longer runway for takes. And it feels, you know, you can come out. If you come out on Sunday and be like, you know, Austin Eckler's a fish play. And then he buries you. You have to eat that shit the next day. Uh, mm-hmm. whereas best ball, it's like such a long amount of time until you actually have to pay the piper on those takes that I do think it emboldens people. Um and it's just still sample size stuff. The amount of data we have is still so limited. And a lot of, and I really still, I I, I value and appreciate the advancement data a ton because I think it points us in the right direction of, of what's worked. And yet the way these contests get bigger and are changing in structure, like I don't think we know what's optimal yet. And that's what makes this so fun um, because you really can I have been thinking about stuff way more through a unique lens lately. It's like, once you know the structures, you know, kind of you you have the bumper rails, but now it's like, man, how do we really differentiate ourselves? Um, so this is what I was talking about here. Like if you wanted to do a hyper fragile build, um, and take a running back and just be done. I also, do we have any other stacks or anything I'm missing? We'd have to reach for Hardman. We could probably, Yeah. I mean, I would probably take Stevenson here and just be done. I'm also, yeah, is there anything else you're saying?
1: No, I mean, I think it's reaching for Hardman, and I don't think that's the most fun thing here. I mean, at this point, though, like, we're not going to have anything to stack Mahomes with. Um, No, I mean, besides I not Besides C.H., Yeah. Which it's, is it's, inherently it's, unique. Like, people reach for MVS to stack them up with Mahomes. People certainly take Kelsey very early. So, like... I do think in terms of a unique build we got there, it's just like there aren't any late chiefs correlations that excite you. And unless we're going to bring Justin Ross back
0: and try to get him back steamed on. So you actually getting drafted. Uh, Anthony just reminded me, I forgot to do an underdog prize wheel today. So let's do that at the end of, uh, of this stream. I was, I was in a red eye haze. I'm sorry. Thank you for this reminder.
1: Oh, there you go. So it's a reason to hang on here. And of course, make sure you hit the like button, guys, whether you're watching on Peach Channel. Of course, if you're watching on the Splash Play channel, the chat's more lively on Peach Channel during the Monday and Thursday streams. So make sure you're hanging out with us there. And we appreciate the subscribers on both of them as well as we try to fight that YouTube curve. Um, but yeah, I think your points about the ego stuff are, are pretty close to what I felt with it. And I think too, like there's just a lot of people coming in and we're really excited about it, which is, you know, I think speaks to me a lot that I wanted to invest a lot because I thought it's a lot of fun. Saw so you having fun with the ship chasing guys with Corrine and Gretch every week. So I wanted to be there, but I think people are coming here and it's like, it's weird. It's, to me, it's tied to like that season long kind of ethos from people, you know, I've been playing since I was in high school. Like I know what I'm doing and it's like, if you're taking Josh Allen and Mahomes in the first four rounds of a draft like i think you're dead in the water in a way that there are people
0: who are really smart who are doing that and i'm like i just don't get like you didn't do any research and you think you know well the other thing that thing about the ego thing that i've noticed a lot more lately is it's such straw man season. Like I hear all these takes where it's like, no one's building like this, no one's doing this or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, let me, let me see it. What always happens is then I see the roster from someone who's like, I have the beautiful galaxy brain that no one else has. And then the roster <laughs> looks like, <laughs> like everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do think it, we're just ripe for, for all of those straw mans. And, and also on top of it, we are in such a bubble where it's like, I still hear all the time. Oh, people are over correlating their week 17. It's like, let, show me your boards. Let's go through the boards and let's see how many people are over correlating week 17. It actually isn't happening. We are just in a, and that's not to say some people are over correlating and misunderstanding kind of like the benefits of that. I'm sure that's happening to some extent, but I, there's just so many fucking straw mans out there right now, which it's hard not to do because that's how you, you, you create your, your counter argument to what you feel is right. But (laughs) it doesn't mean it's happening at that same clip. We're also really seeing my RB zone
1: on the screen right now. We're not taking one of these guys, Pete. Uh, Do we want to take ACL recovery,
0: Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, who at least is healthy and got that going for him? Yeah, I think another rookie wide receiver uh, makes sense here. Probably, yeah, I agree with you. I'm more willing to take a Jamison in where I'm more of a zero RB build, where he's kind of a luxury wide receiver pick. Whereas in this build, I think we, we need the shot at production right out of the gate.
1: I also, and this is part of why, too, I never really take elite QBs, even if they're falling, is because I kind of wish we had just taken a Dallas stack. We could have gotten Tolbert. We could have gotten Gallup. We could have gotten a lot of different ways if we had just waited and took Dak a little. Um, yeah. I just like the, yeah. the optionality you get when you punt QB. And then sometimes you get fucked and there's no QBs left on the board. You end up having to stack Mac Jones
0: or something like that. But um, yeah. it's been my best build. I think have been a little bit of a later QB. The Mahomes thing is kind of tilting because part of the reason I I have no problem taking Mahomes unstacked in the fifth is because it's pretty easy to generally get at least one of MBS and Sky Moore. And and we had the, uh, you know, the value hound in me, just couldn't let JK Dobbins go, you know, 20 picks past ADP there. But yeah, we should have, we should have prioritized one of MVS or Sky Moore there. Um, And now that kind of mistake got compounded.
1: Um, here's a new name. We always try to take chats from new names here. Ryan asking Dynasty, would you trade Russell Wilson and Javante in exchange for Dak and Aaron Jones? He has AJ Dillon as well. Pete, I know you love nothing more than debating dynasty trades in the in July. So how do you feel about this question
0: here from Ryan? I assume this is just a single QB league and not um and not a super flex, which I think might change it for me slightly, but I want the I want the Wilson and Javante side there, yeah, uh for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you, you're basically doing the thing we talk about a lot in best ball not
1: doing is you don't want A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones because you're making a bet on one of them already. So, um, you know, Javante Williams getting some pass game work. He could be Russell Wilson's check down guy. Like, I think there's more upside than that for for your pick, Ryan. We're on the clock here, Pete. Uh, Jamison Williams fell again. I do think Devontae Parker, for trying to get the receiver floor, I think can get our floor up a little
0: bit. Yeah, I mean, either of them set up a backdoor quarterback stack. Um, so yeah, I'm good with with either either of those guys. Jameson
1: Williams, this worries me a little bit. I, I mentioned on one of the solo streams at the end of last week, like there's an athletic mailbag from whatever doctor they have as an expert there who, again, I love athletic reports. It's one of my weaknesses. I'll admit that. Um, but they were talking about Jamison Williams and Mechie before the leukemia stuff came out, but how these guys coming off ACL injuries, like you're really looking at a tough recovery timeline. That's uh, much worse than Godwin's where Godwin should be back in October. And then he'll theoretically get to full health by December. Whereas Jameson Williams, if he's back in November, like he's probably not getting up to speed this year if they even rush him out in the field. And that kind of makes me worry a little bit where Jamison Williams is going, where if he's going to the 15th, like, sure. But in the 11th, 12th, I have a little more reservations about taking him now. Like, I think I've gotten enough Jamison Williams so far.
0: Yeah, and trust me, I get this. I agree. Parker over Jameson is the most dusty pick ever. But this goes back to the context of, of your teams. And because we are behind the eight ball a little bit at wide receiver, um, we we need production Um, I'm early. And so I don't, that's why I'm really like where I get a lot of my Godwin Hopkins, Jameson Williams, Gallup shares are in zero RB builds where I have the luxury of not needing their production early. So I don't think that was a bad tiebreaker, um, to go Dotson over there and even, even Parker there, um, because that would have been our third rookie on that team and he would be injured. I just, for this specific room, it wasn't my favorite pick.
1: Yeah, Devontae Parker, not even thirty yet, a, a fresh twenty-nine. He's had some good years. New situation. I, I people are I think are too down on Devonte Parker, like, and and a two up on Jacoby Myers. Like, I'd rather have Parker than Myers personally. I know you're probably going to disagree, but Parker, like, flashed. Like, he was
0: good in Miami for periods. It just kind of all fell apart for him. My thing is, it's it's not even like for me Parker versus Myers. It's that I think the likelihood of any of the four of Myers Parker. Bourne and Thornton kind of, um, beating ADP is, is pretty, uh, even, you know, when I cost adjust, I just find myself liking Bourne and Thornton a lot more. Um, just, just factoring in the price. So that's why they've been a harder click for me. Um, but I think any of those guys, like I, I definitely think there's value in new England. Uh, I could see one or two of those guys really outperforming ADP. I just think it's easier for Bourne and Thornton to do that. That's fair. Uh, I get it. And I
1: I think, you know, I just want, I would push back on Parker. Like I think he's undervalued relative to ADP. I I think the point's fair. And certainly Thornton is a bit of a mystery box kind of fun pick that could fit what the Patriots have done historically. But uh, for me at this point with where I think you made the case for me pretty well, that I just felt like we needed something here. Like a guy who's going to get five targets a game. And I feel like Parker for as long as he's healthy, he'll get you those five targets a game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they all, what's interesting about all those guys is they're, they're, they're all pretty different players for like, again, going back to that thing of how they win. And it just, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to know what this Patriots passing offense looks like, but it seems like most people think that they are going to pass a little bit more this year. I was hoping a Kui would fall back to us to kind of allow us to, even though we're not stacking Mahomes to have that week 17 game stack. So that stings I- a little bit. I wouldn't mind Chark here because yeah. we didn't take Williams. and Yeah, you know. I like Chark, and that gives us another quarterback option. You also, you could see my ADPs. My Naheem Hines, any of these exposures, Pete, have, have they stood
1: out to you egregiously? I feel like it might not be something where you're paying the most attention, but I feel like my Hines exposure, 22% at a 150 ADP, I feel pretty good about.
0: Your TDP is really nice too, 173 versus yeah. uh, 153 there. Yeah, you you have good prices on your... On your running backs. I mean, it it goes some, what's funny about doing zero RB drafts is like it can go in both ways, right? Like if you get in a piss boys room, you might sometimes start having to chase the running backs. Um, It once like everyone kind of comes over and starts grabbing their zero RB targets. But if you, sometimes you'll get in that perfect room where it's like everyone else is drafting running backs and right at the time when you start to need them, they all pivot to other positions. And then you start getting those guys falling around or two past ADP, that, that's the sweetest feeling when the room starts giving you what you need uh, structurally at that time. Eric asking no thoughts on Nico there. I don't have
1: any thoughts on Nico Collins. If he's going to go into 13th, 14th, I might not end up with any shares of him at all.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I do think his ADP should definitely move up a little bit considering the Mechie stuff, but it he does feel a little steamy to me here. Um, We're on the clock. We got a bunch of tight ends.
1: Alec Pierce, if we want to get another upside receiver, I'd probably do Pierce to just lean into this, all these rookie wide receiver darts. I know you're a Paris Campbell guy, and I I heard you debating Alec Pierce, and I I think we're comparing him to Hunter Renfro on the stream. Alec Pierce, like I know you also mentioned he had, he's a four, four So that's important, but like some positive camp reports about him and his ability to go get jump balls in a way that like they need an end zone target. Like Pittman's a really good, you know, between the twenties kind of receiver. I don't know that he's enough of an end zone, you know, kind of touchdown hound Pierce. I like a lot. And I feel like he's fallen down over the course of draft season where people were excited when the NFL draft first hit. And then now he's in like almost the one seventy ADP. Like I think there's a lot of upside in Pierce. And I think he's also nice leverage against Taylor. Like there's a lot of ways I think he can succeed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh I like I like both Pierce and Campbell at their at their prices and almost kind of I like them too as as bets against Pittman's pretty rich ADP. Um, I think is nice. And I, I'm still tacking Mo Alley Cox on with some of my mm-hmm. Matt Ryan stuff, if I get funneled there.
1: One of the top DFS players in the world, Ren Pack saying draft Paris Campbell and Indy lift driver convinced me he'll have a better season than Pittman. So if there's anything Pete, you can't buy into from an Indianapolis lift driver. I, I don't know what I, I
0: don't know what it would be. It, it honestly, like do I think it's uh, likely that he outperforms Pittman? No. Would I be shocked if that happened? No. You know, like in the same way, I wouldn't be shocked if Jahan Dotson outscored Terry McLaurin, like some of these situations feel maybe more fragile and I know those they'll seem like hot takes, but I, I guess that's more of a me kind of being a little bit down on Pittman at at his price. He's been getting steamed up a lot ADP wise, especially in Best
1: Ball Mania, where you end up in some more of these zero RB rooms. And I like and I again I love my USC receivers. I think Pittman fits the same market type of Drake London, of a lot of these other big-bodied USC guys who good beating press coverage and all that. I worry that he was so good last year because the Colts had literally nobody else to throw to. And Carson Wentz is afraid to get it downfield where if Matt Ryan's like protected, like he's going to push the ball downfield to Pierce and Paris Campbell being healthy and Mo Alley Cox. And they also drafted Jelani Woods. who could be something at tight end. Like there's reason I think to have concerns for Pittman, but we're on the clock again, Uh tight end here. Maybe. Yeah. What are, or QB we could take
0: Mac Jones and just be done with QB. We could take Mac Jones. Yeah, Najoku correlates with our Washington stuff. Uh, I'm good with with either of those two, Najoku or Mac Jones. Let's see, we don't pick. Let's see. Let's see if Mac Jones comes
1: back to us. I don't know because that he will, we,
0: but we'll we do have other quarterback options, right? Because we have Zach yeah. Wilson with Wilson. We have Goff with Chark. So that I would probably use that as a tiebreaker, of being like, you know, if we lose Mac Jones, not the uh, end of the world. Yeah, that's fair. So we we also open up Watson. Like if, if Watson really fell a lot, we have tons of stacking options.
1: Yep. And Tyler making the case for Pittman. Pittman could be like cup though, with the QB upgrade and was already very good Uh, for reception, perception, Matt Harmon thinks as much at least. And we've talked about that being one of the things He had a pretty good interview on ETR as well. I think with Levitan and Silva talking about um, his receiver metrics and all of that, which is probably worth checking out for the people on here. Uh, But yeah, I do like the reception perception stats. So if he's in on Pittman, maybe a little more love.
0: Yeah. Pittman, Pittman has been good. Um, I just don't know if he's in, like, I don't know if he's such a bona fide alpha that if like Alec Pierce is really good or, you know, Mo Alley Cox comes on that he can command such a dominant target share. I mean, and also with Paris Campbell coming back too. I mean, his competition last year for targets was, was really, really poor. Um, Mm -hmm. So it made sense that he would have a big target share. I, I think this will be an interesting year to see kind of what he really is as a player, but you're just having to pay a pretty penny um, to find that out. So I feel like this team so far, we've got Mahomes, Mac Jones,
1: Javante Williams, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards, Ramondre Stevenson, a receiver. We have Diggs, Samuel Davis, uh, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, Devontae Parker, DJ Chark, Alec Pierce, tight end, Dalton Shelton, Joku. Not the best correlated team, Pete, not the best stacked team, but I think we did a pretty good job working this room for talent, mostly at your behest. (laughs)
0: um what what are we at structure wise here what do we have two more picks and we're at 2482 yeah yeah and so i think i mean we're definitely getting to nine wide receivers i think we could do a three quarterback build if we wanted an extra stack or we could get to 10 wide receivers i think would also make sense interesting yeah i don't who would be who would you want for the the three qb would you go like goff maybe I would, I would probably, I mean Watson or Golf. I mean Watson's the big cut, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the luxury QB three there.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine I have a lot of. Well, actually, what's my Watson exposure? We'll look it up with the Brick Sports Hub, which you can see on the screen here. In the blue, my exposures, and the green are where I've normally drafted guys. And <laughs> uh, I stopped drafting Watson Pete <laughs> a while ago, apparently.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Watson one makes a little sense because we do have that kind of mini stack with Watson, Njoku, and Dotson. Goff would just be a straight stack. We don't have any Bears. Um, Mahomes, we got our Mahomes, CH, and Javante. I guess we don't have Mac. We don't have a New England or a a, a Miami bring back, but I don't know if structure wise we, we could talk. Yeah. This is one of those spots where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if we need like a Cedric Wilson or whatever. Probably pass on that.
1: Here's an interesting one, Pete, where I know you were discussing the backup tight ends and sort of that logic of taking them to hedge against some of your tight end exposures. Would you take a Noah gray in this build as the the
0: chiefs tight end hedge? I'm just not, I'm not opposed to the three tight end builds. If you're not, um, I get I guess you could you could probably talk me into it. I prefer the 3 QBs over the 3 tight ends. Um I think part of the appeal to me and what Osmo laid out really well and let's let's make this pick here. I I, I kind of like taking Watson here. I'm not what do you think? Chris
1: Evans also as a bring back for our our Buffalo duo.
0: But we don't need Yeah, we could back. we could get to five running backs if we wanted. We kind of have to decide between five running backs or three QBs what we prefer. Hmm. I don't mind. I don't mind
1: taking Watson at this point. I could also yeah. stand a lower that ADP. So let's let's do that. But and we and we but can my, get David Bell late too with seventy points. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: The the one thing is uh, that I was going to say is like the tight ends. Um, one of the big bonuses to me in the BBM three structure is that with the three stacks is the idea of, you know, having a unique stack when you wake up in week seventeen where that. What so what that could potentially bring to your lineup versus what a third tight end does at the lowest scoring of the onesie positions there, it's just a really tough sell for me to use three picks on on tight end. Um I would almost rather always tack on another running back, wide receiver, or third quarterback before that tight end. But I do think there's scenarios like Schultz, if we're drafting like we're right, we're kind of viewing him as an elite tight end and then pairing him with Joku. I think if we you know, we took him at pick 64, like we need Schultz to be good. If we were, you know, got our first tight end as like a Kui Boonam, then I start to see the tight end by committee thing a little bit more. I don't know. Also, we do
1: have two week nine tight ends, of course, on bye, which is something that you just got to get comfortable with Pete. Sometimes it's going to happen. And I, I personally am not going to be a person that, uh, that worries about it too much. You have, you've made me feel some degree of comfort with the, the bye week blindness.
0: Yeah. I I still look at it for quarterback, but tight end, I really don't, I don't care. Did, uh, did bell fall to us? Uh, I mean, I
1: think he's going to keep falling. He's cause he's been falling a lot. Uh, no, he got taken. Of course. All
0: right. right, Go to the wide receivers. Um, we got Thornton. (laughs) I mean, probably right. I mean, just, uh, to get our Mac double stack. We have a double technically with Ramondre and Parker. Oh, you're right. I did forget about that. Um, yeah, I mean, you could do that. You could do Cedric Wilson. I don't know. Taequann Thornton's probably the play still.
1: Yeah, I don't have enough Thornton,
0: I think, as we just might have seen on the screen.
1: So I don't mind taking him here just to get something in there. And now our team is complete with a
0: three-four-nine-two, a very unique build, Pete. Let me see the badge bro next to us build. I think he had an interesting one. I think he has uh, a 3 3 10 something. Oh, his build. Uh, what was the username? Mitch. Me- uh, there, yeah. A two, three, eleven two. Yeah. I knew this was an interesting one. Lamar Rogers, Eckler mix in Madison. Okay. That might be pushing hyper fragile too far, but I, I like seeing funky builds here. And this was what I was talking about too, of like, this guy can actually say no one has a build like this. I, I he doesn't have to straw man that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I a mean, wild one. I guess cause he didn't take cooks. Maybe he's doing a little bit of the, uh, of what Hayden was talking about there where you then take Madison as the hedge against that. But, um, and, like, assume that it would be a hyper-fragile build, then somebody would take Eckler, Mixon, and Cook? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know.
0: I mean, that one, that, this is, again, where you you start to do the, the what-if, drafting if you're right, all these scenarios. It's like if Dalvin Cook gets hurt in preseason, and now you have a hyper-fragile build with Eckler, Mixon, and a starting running back. <laughs> what does this say? Pete made me take too many RBs. I love how you, that's not, that you took four running backs, <laughs> and you could argue it was thin. For uh, a hyper fragile build,
1: <laughs> our final team: Patrick Mahomes, Mac Jones, Deshaun Watson at QB, Javante Williams, J.K. Dobbins, Clayton Hile,er Ramondre Stevenson at running back, wide receiver. We got Diggs, Samuel, Gabe Davis, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, Devonte Parker, D.J. Chark, Alec Pierce, and Tyquan Thornton. Lots of no headshot boys. Tight end Dalton Schultz and Joku. Um,
0: and then we could have done differently here, Pete. Um, I mean, I I keep going back to the Mahomes versus um, uh a, uh, raw decision followed by the Dobbins over one of MVS. Um, I think, I don't think the Mahomes one was a bad decision. I do think I should have been, uh, more cognizant of the chance that we didn't get one of those wide receivers knowing like, Hey, we really want to stack Mahomes with at least one guy who could finish the year, you know, as a top 15 wide receiver and knowing whatever other, like go back to the board. What, what other running back, if we do the two V two on, Dobbins versus whoever. And if we had taken MBS there, I mean, we're still getting like CEH, right? So, Mm -hmm. or Penny. And so that's, I think that's just a mistake. I obviously prefer Dobbins to those guys. Um, But when you look at what that meant for our Mahomes build, I think that was a mistake.
1: Some Pete Sica fans in the chat saying Kamara would unlock the Chiefs wide receivers. I, I just think the move is not to take Mahomes.
0: I I will go back on that because I I'm, I'm taking a little bit of the blame. I do I definitely would have taken Kamara um if I had my hands at the wheel. And it again goes to that thing of I just want to take advantage of these unique like windows and pockets of ADP. And I really don't like, I'm not going to be drafting Kamara when he's back to the two, three turn or back in the mid Like I, I, I probably won't. And so if I'm going to get my exposure, I want it. I want it now. All right. So we can, Pete, I actually do have, I have one show related item here. since
1: so we have a few minutes left on the back end. I'll take off the shared screen. So here's a question I have for you. And this is kind of an industry wide question where obviously people love watching ball streams. We can see 150 people here live. We appreciate all of you guys. Make sure you subscribe to peach channel as well as the splash play channel to get more best ball drafts in your life is there a market hole or a market gap for doing DFS lineup builds as a show? Like, is that something that people want to see? Because I've been thinking about it and uh, like people clearly like the process of a draft, but um, does that, is that the way we should inform our season process coming up for the NFL season?
0: Well, I mean, people, people love it when you build uh lineups, like we build lineups on the Swellcast, cast or I have a guest on my Friday streams we normally end. And I do think it's again, going through that, you're you're playing a bit of a game of telephone because you're like, oh, I'll put this guy in. And then what makes it interesting is like, okay, how can I where it's like, you know, Blender's famous, you know, uh, play whoever you want and same start your best ball draft with whoever you want. But then it's like, can you logically build a lineup around what's starting on? So yeah, I do think there's stuff like that. The problem is it's just not as dynamic, right? With a draft, yeah. there's all these moving pieces and variables that I think just makes it uniquely interesting. But I do think kind of that idea of like a fun exercise in the same way we talk about like a chess puzzle where it's like, okay, here's a DFS lineup with these three guys locked in, you know, oh, double tight end. Oh, and in this quarterback. Okay. Now, how do you, how would you build a lineup around this? And you'd be factoring in the projected ownership and, you know, stuff like that to see, could you make a logical team based around these things? Like, I, I do think there's something there. You know, something to dabble in. I
1: think we I think we need to do too, Pete. Which maybe something we could do for August. I think we should do our own positional rankings. Like we should do that on a show where we then give our guys. Like I think we need to do something here that's leading up to the season and gives us a chance to maybe make some clips to put on the Splash Play channel, perhaps. There you go. So there we're go. we're gonna we're gonna do some formal structure here down the home stretch. But Pete, what are the
0: plugs for here? What's the show schedule now that
1: you are back and and feeling bright eyed and bushy tailed?
0: Yeah. Just back to, uh, back to the usual, uh, stuff, uh, club top shot tomorrow. Um, the, all the, all the usual shows we're, we're playing the hits. I booked, uh, John Daigle for the randomizer stream on, on Thursday. I'm sure we'll get up to some fun, uh, shenanigans and, uh, yeah. How about you? Uh, I mean, I got nothing going on. <laughs> I'm just
1: hanging out. I am going to the beach next week, though, so I'm gonna have to do shows from uh, the laptop instead of the uh, thing because I'm still working through it. So I'll be st- still doing shows, but I will be uh, getting noticeably tan. Like you, different lighting here, not my usual uh, Diane Sawyer lens I have here that keeps me looking youthful and, and beautiful.
0: Nice, yeah. You know, see, you're you're so much more dedicated than me. I, I go on vacation and cancel my streams, and you're you're ready to keep the grind going. Yeah. But I look, I know we have any
1: bit of momentum. You got to keep it going. Speaking of, you're going to spin this wheel, Pete, for a prize giveaway related to, to the underdog cardio club to what?
0: Yeah, let's, uh, let's do, we're going to do three because, uh, so underdog, uh, has, has hooked me up and they they allow me to do a uh, hundred dollars in, uh, yeah. prizes each week. So let's do three, uh, thirty-three. 33 because that'll allow you you can get the underdog cardio club water bottle, you can get uh, basically anything in the store and shipping covered with that. So we'll draw we'll draw three winners here. As usual, my name is on this wheel because I copy and paste from a master Excel spreadsheet. We will respin if the influencer 101 comes up. That is not the case. I need to write these down too so I remember. Congrats. congrats 30. Quite C- right is what we'd say when you find that. That's uh, <laughs> I wanted to say, no, I'm just not going to indulge that joke. <laughs> <laughs> crikey, <laughs> yes, crikey, thirty. This is this is uh Underdog Cardio Club. If you are in Underdog Cardio Club, your name is on this wheel because I pulled it from the master spreadsheet. Boots, boots on the ground. This is That's how you know he Congrat- you? Congratulations, boots.
1: Also, i done trying to start best ball beef. No, I'm just saving Pete from my. <laughs> my petty grudges against people with 70,000 YouTube subs.
0: And Ron Stewart. Ron Stewart has a great YouTube channel. Sharp Mm -hmm. Dude. Congratulations, Ron, on binking that. Congratulations to the winners. T-Cry Boots, Ron Stewart. I will email you guys a gift card there you go so pete and i will be back on thursday
1: on this very channel of course subscribe to splash play channel as well search it on youtube go over there or go to youtube uh, i don't know whatever the fuck the channel url is slash splash play pod follow at peter Rovers. follow at chris spags and follow at splash play pod because we are dangerously close to a thousand followers on twitter and lord knows i have to hit that round number on there so i could feel like i've accomplished something in my life but pete and i will be back on thursday pete will be coming up here on his channel in the next few days so enjoy your weeks guys we'll see you soon bye